the sandwich generation with my girl Mitch. Relationships, kids, Asian parents, work, what the fuck? The sandwich generation. Now, here's Mitch. Yo, what's up? It's Mitch in the house. Okay, that was too long. But anyways, today we are talking about nutrition, food, vittles, nom-noms, and what you put in your mouth. So the first segment deals with kids and wow, some of you guys out there, I really feel for you trying to get those little people to eat. It's like you give give birth to these human beings, you bring them into the world and you really do think they're going to do what you tell them to do. And man, do they not do what you tell them to do? Do they not eat what you slave and prepare for them? So getting kids to eat is very difficult. And that includes anybody under the age of 18. Um, Some of the ways that we used to do this were so much more communal than they are now. If there was not a communal time throughout the day, there was a dinner time. And a dinner time would be the time for everyone to sit down hopefully come together and discuss what happened with their day. And it could be an emotional bonding process as well. But I do think about sort of the traditional way things were set up where the mom was just kind of slaving in the kitchen (laughs) and had to slave the slave. (laughs) No, had to serve the husband first and then serve the kids. Did she have any opportunity to sit down and eat? And partake in the nutrition. So just the concept of what are we eating? How are we eating? Are we eating together? Or is that yet another way in our American experience to isolate ourselves with a bag of chips, a TV dinner, DoorDash, Have we come to a point where what we're putting into our mouths, especially our kids, what we're actually allowing our children to eat is something that they are totally detached from. They have no connection to it. They don't know the difference between a chicken nugget and if it grows on a tree, if it was a walking living being. They don't have any concept of how that food got brought to their table. So I have an amazing woman with me here today. And she has really caused me to think a lot about everything I put in my mouth, what I allow my child to put in his mouth. I want you guys to give a warm welcome to T. How you doing today? I feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel really good. Thanks for thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And I feel good. Um, I think that my feeling good has a lot to do with exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The nutrition and the food that I've been feeding myself. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, I kind of want to talk about your history yes. with food. Yes. So, Put it all out there on the street, girl. Put it on front street. <laughs> So with um, 
you're saying you're talking about like the disconnection yes. of like our our minds and our plates. Mm-hmm. So what is your what is your relationship with food regarding like the history and the 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 information you know about what you consume? Mm-hmm. Is it are all of these things brand new to you or is it things that have been on your mind for a while? Or when you're growing up, did you have any questions about the things that you're eating or really any interest in like the where you sourced your food from? I'm glad you asked about when I grew up because that's what this segment is about, getting parents to be more conscious of what they allow their kids to eat and what they're feeding their children, um, especially like the Happy Meal or the kids' meal, which is not a meal at all. Mm-hmm. It is filled with starch, fat, sugar, salt, and anything else to keep you addicted. Um, so relating my son's growing up to my growing up is kind of similar as it comes to food. I remember a lot of McDonald's. There was a place back then called Pup and Taco, which I actually loved. That was just like the best. They had the best fries and they had slushies. I remember us going out to a restaurant called The Grinder, um, Sizzler on Sundays. Um, But the only person I really remember cooking a lot would be my grandmother, Um, My aunt would cook a little bit, too. My mom would cook enough to get by. But mostly she I remember a lot of McDonald's Mm. and it would even be littering the car. Like I remember leaving all of the fast food in the car. And that's shamefully, I can admit that's how my son grew up. You know, only recently have I been like, no, you're not going to leave that stuff in my car. Or if we do eat out, we eat there so that the food is not coming into my car and I'm having to deal with that. So that's a whole nother layer too, is the huge amount of waste mm-hmm. in many different levels that happens with these processed foods. Mm-hmm. So there's the one level of you've got all of these paper products and recyclables that only get the lifetime of one use. Mm-hmm. Then there's the huge amount of waste because of the inefficacy of the way that the animals are raised um, that we eat. And then there's just the waste of food. People give you these huge servings that they know you can't eat so they can charge you more. And half the time I look at myself, I look at my surroundings in a restaurant. A lot of people haven't even finished their plates. Yeah. Um, To touch on like the waste, the waste epidemic, I guess you can say. Also, the 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 fail the failure of distribution of information. Um, that's a huge thing too. When it comes to our food systems, um, they don't mention a lot that even just cattle grazing, how much pollution that causes. Yes. and I think that there's something to be investigated. When there's a lot of mystery beyond behind something that we're all involved in or that we all take part in. So we all eat these things. We all are a part of like this system, this growing system. And not many of us know anything about Mm -hmm. it. We don't know the way that it impacts us internally. We don't know the way that it impacts us environmentally. And that's something that I try to bring awareness to our community Um, It's just kind of getting 
kind of gearing our minds to be in, even interested in that and just getting our, our minds to slow down and think before we eat. Also, to kind of just be aware of the way that it affects us holistically mm-hmm. from a mental state, from a physical state to a spiritual state. Yes. Even when it comes down to eating meats, eating, drinking alcohol, drinking spirits. Mm-hmm. It's the connection of not just, there's a lot of connections. It's like the language of it too, like even calling alcohol spirits. Yes. You're consuming spirits. Yes. And that's something, I don't think that's always negative, a uh, necessarily negative thing. But I think in the way that we invite those things into our body mm-hmm. and the culture around it is something that we ought to pay a lot more attention to. That's a good, that's a good point because in this segment, dealing with people who are 18 um, and younger, I'm grateful that I was not raised in a household where there was any alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that I did not raise my children in a household with alcohol um, because it, it can. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the excuse. Oh, well, I was drunk. Mm-hmm. Why are you getting mad at me? I was just drunk. That is just such a a, a release of responsibility mm-hmm. uh, that is ridiculous. Um, and in terms of what we're putting in our bodies, I know that for my kids, at one point, either I showed them a video because they tell me this sometimes, or I told them how hot dogs are made, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm just going to go on and say it. Yes, y'all, y'all are eating eyeballs, Disgusting. brains, yeah. um, hoofs. Any part of the animal, y'all probably eating ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, with, with with us coming across this information, I feel like it's our responsibility to to investigate it more and then also to make our peers a little more aware of it mm-hmm. and do as much as we can in our immediate communities right. and in you know widespread communities, too, of just correcting those ways. I feel like I was fortunate enough to get some information. I mean, I grew up on fast food, too, and my my mom, she cooked a lot. My dad cooked um, a good amount, too. But my dad was a little more conscious than my mom was, mm-hmm. and he would be the one to implement, like, the spices. And, mm, um, like, spices. like, when we would get sick, he would always be— he didn't really know much about it, but he just knew like garlic. Garlic mm-hmm. could save everything. Mm-hmm. And so he would be like, you're sick. Like drink this garlic, mm-hmm. take this spoonful of garlic or or put it in your ear or something, you know? <laughs> and he was on like the fish oil and right. like the, the naturopathic kind of um, route. Um, he that reminds also, me of this Chris Rock, I think it is, where he's like, put some tussin on see, it. See, that's my put daddy. Put some tussin <laughs> in it. Put some tussin on it. <laughs> that was my dad. Just like, he didn't really know what it was. He, but That's kind of like me, too. It's like, sometimes I don't know how to explain it. Just do it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. But, but it's that, I that, was, that experimental side. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I was fortunate enough to be introduced to, I guess, more natural remedies um, because mm-hmm. of my father. And so with that, I've learned um, the value and the importance of just kind of redirecting our thoughts. And I think that allowed me to question things a little more so that I can... 
I can discover more information, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think that experimental side is helpful for kids, too. Like Mm -hmm. this morning, I just kind of experimented and made a smoothie. I know I like my coffee. I put some oatmeal in there. It might sound gross. Just work with me, y'all. Work with me. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't bash it. I put some fruit in there and it and some um, some blue agave and that experimental process is tapping into the imagination of a child right and giving them free agency opportunity and responsibility to take charge of what they put in their body as soon as like I'm sure your dad your dad knew that garlic was good for you at least he knew that much right right so we when we connect with the purpose of eating in a certain way and we connect with the why, mm-hmm. um, our children are just begging to know why, mm-hmm. you know, and when we can provide that for them and help them to see, um, it becomes so much easier. Like my son, I had taken him to a natural food store and he said that was the best store he had ever been to in his life. But yet I not, had I not made that one simple decision, I wouldn't, be able to see a door of opportunity. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how it was. Um, I guess that's what I was trying to kind of explain. Like if my dad didn't just try the little things mm-hmm. that he did know, then I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have taken on my, myself on that journey of discovery to, to look more into what is garlic good mm-hmm. for? How does that, how does that heal things? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's as simple as that mm-hmm. is also what I'm trying to say. Just share what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times uh, parents are just so inundated by the why of their children. And instead, sometimes it's nice to see it as inquisitiveness, curiosity, mm-hmm. and a chance to experiment and grow as a family. What can we do with this information? So we'll be coming back in a bit. Hope you enjoyed that. And let's see what we what else we can think of in terms of nutrition, what we put in our mouth, how we eat, and what that's doing for us. Let's go. I need a change in my life because I don't feel alive and there's nothing that makes me happy. Oh. And we all got dreams. Y'all want things, but what you gonna do for it? How you gonna move for it? What you gonna be? Macaroni and cheese, please, with peas. Damn it, I be needing to mix up the stuff that tastes good with the stuff that's good for me. I want to talk about addictive qualities of food right now. Um, These processed foods really just reel us in. And I've really been having to have a lot more compassion and patience with myself. I'm not typically the type of person that um, will get in the car and go get something. But I've been going through so much recently, specifically with what's going on with my mom, also the divorce and dealing with, you know, trying to still raise my son the best that I can that the addictive properties that they put in these foods, it is, it, food has become my drug. Um, I don't drink, I don't smoke, um, I don't do drugs. But when food is your drug, 
you are really left at a loss because you got to eat, um, but you're filled with rationalizations, justifications. Well, I had a hard day, so I'm going to go have a ribbon crunch Sunday. It should be called at Starbucks. I don't know why they call that shit a Frappuccino. <laughs> that is not coffee. Damn it. That's a fucking Sunday. <laughs> it needs to be served with a fucking spoon. And you need to put a cherry on that shit because the amount of sugar, I was looking at one video and it said something like, I think it was 46 um, spoonfuls of sugar. That was at Dunkin' Donuts in one of their coffee drinks. And we situate ourselves, especially this middle part of the sandwich generation. You've got to run on something. And that's even the what Dunkin' Donuts says. You know, America runs on Dunkin' Donuts. And that video was like, if we're running on that, then we are fucked. Right. Because it is nothing but sugar. What do you think about all of these additives and how they addict us? I think it's designed to kill us. Mm, that's powerful. I don't think that there's... Um, that's powerful. I think that we can ditch the idea that there's lack of intention in these recipes. A recipe is always made with intention. Very much true. And especially when it's sold on such a wide scale like that, like there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. Right. There's McDonald's everywhere. And Starbucks. You don't mm-hmm. think they have more, the most time out of any other restaurant mm-hmm. to to incorporate the most detailed intention, mm-hmm. intentionality in their, in their recipes. Mm-hmm. But if they're putting that much psychological effort into the way that they market themselves, just from like, color psychology yeah i was just thinking of color psychology even shapes and the yes. golden arches you know yes they're, if they're putting that much intention into mm-hmm. just like the marketing aspect of it in the visuals how much intention do you think that they're putting and studying mm-hmm. in the actual recipe of these things mm-hmm. that's their creation that's their product right that's something to really sit on right. and to really think about and that goes with like everything i feel like also when we come across this information it gets a little bit overwhelming it because does. then you start feeling like it does. well damn i'm fucked like right. i've been eating this shit for 10 years yep. or i've been like what am i gonna do like there's me i can't beat mcdonald's right that was a lot of that was a lot of uh pushback that i was getting when i was uh when i first became quote-unquote vegan mm-hmm. and it, there would be a lot of people asking me what my reason was or what I was doing it for all of these things. And I'd explain them, explain it to them. I'd never try to force it on anyone, but they'd ask me. And um, when I'd explain it, I'd get like this anger, like (laughs) I would always get this anger response and people would just, just dump all of their doubts onto me. Mm -hmm. And that I used to try to fight, but then I learned to just like observe it and really be like, wow, that's how people really feel. It is. They like when I tell them that me switching my lifestyle and being more intentional with my selection, my food and dietary selections, that that makes me that's my contribution to a change that I think mm-hmm. that we deserve. And the way that they would respond to that would usually be what what do you think that you're going to do? Right. How much change can one person make? Right. Or I would do it, but it's not going to count for anything. Right. That, I think, is the spiritual side we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, 
and uh, because you have a, a a commitment to yourself, right? You have a commitment to why you came to this planet, why you incarnated, and the work that you have to do. And sometimes people look at your responsibility with a mirror, mm-hmm. looking at themselves mm, and seeing okay. the lack within themselves, mm-hmm. seeing what they're not willing to do for whatever reasons, seeing um, sometimes you do get entangled in the status quo. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to get out of it, but and it, and it does just feel so oppressive and heavy to get out of it. But to see somebody else do it, there then comes a sort of a jealousy mm-hmm. that, wow, she's committed enough to herself to our planet, to the God that she serves, to really push through this. Um, I think for myself, I really have to have a little bit more compassion sometimes. I'm going through an awful lot. If I slip off the horse and I have a ribbon crunch Sunday from Starbucks, thank you very fucking much, <laughs> then I do. That's not the end of everything. Um, I think sometimes people think of those who are vegan as a cold turkey approach. Mm-hmm. Did you just altogether stop eating all of those addictive foods? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I learned a hard lesson from that. Mm, okay. I learned the lesson of I don't I wouldn't discourage going cold turkey. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. But I would I would encourage preparedness. Yes. Um, and I would also encourage, like, if you're going to go go cold turkey with anything in your life, it's not just a one-time thing. I think that a lot of us, and this is also the spiritual and psychological aspect of it, too, when we do that, sometimes it's kind of, we don't realize it, but it's a form of escapism. It's like mm. you want to just bang your way out of, like, what you're overwhelmed with. Mm-hmm. And nothing in life works that way. You have to sit with it. You have to deal with it. Even when you go cold turkey, that's a complete transition in your life. So you have to deal with the new lifestyle that you want after it. You have to prepare yourself for that. You have to lead yourself into that. And even if you're going to do it cold turkey, figure out, be more detailed in your vision of how you're going to incorporate new things in your life. You can't just go in it and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. You know, Mm -hmm. I just know that I did it because then you get stuck. And then you get in that stagnant stage and then you come with like, that's when you come up with the the sickness or, you know, they, there's a lot of people that go vegan and they just think that that's going to save them. Mm-hmm. And that that's also what I'm trying to say too. Not any one thing is going to save you. That's nothing. And if you're planning on changing yourself, you have to be committed to the responsibility of it. So cold turkey is a... It's a term that I don't think people are are really, like, aware of what it was. At least for myself, I wasn't. I thought that, like, just completely ridding it out of my life was going to be cool. Like, that'll solve all my issues. Boom, boom, boom. But it's like, no, there's a lifetime of learning that Mm -hmm. you have to do after that. There's reconstruction, reprogramming Mm -hmm. on mental levels, on physical levels. Your body is going to start shaping different. Mm -hmm. You don't have those hormones getting inside of you anymore anymore your body is going to start returning yeah. to its natural form that it was destined mm-hmm. to be. And you have to, you have to prepare yourself for that, or you have to invite that, right. you know, the and, antibiotics, the toxins. Oh the, yeah. Um, 
the the pumping and the food coloring, the additives, the 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 waxing that they put on the fruits and vegetables. All it's of that so can, much. Yeah, all of that can create biochemical changes in our bodies that we don't realize that manifest as physical alterations to our our vessels. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we get a little down, like maybe it's acne, mm-hmm. maybe it's the Depression. overgrowth, mm-hmm. maybe the, it's the overgrowth of certain features or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll confuse that with um, with insecurity of our natural bodies. But sometimes it's like we know that that's not naturally how we right. are supposed to be. Right. And that is a direct manifestation of the things that we're consuming. Mm-hmm. They create real ass effects on our body. Yes, they do. Like the adaptogens, I think they're called, and uh, endocrine disruptors and um, biochemicals. There's so many buzzwords that we really need to look up. Um, but they really do have a these processed foods. For one thing, we perceive them as simple. Mm-hmm. We perceive them as easy because mm-hmm. I know that's the case for myself. I'd rather get in my car and go wait 30 minutes in a damn drive through line and somehow I perceive that as okay and not a waste of time as opposed to learning how to, like I did today, make a smoothie or learning how to cook, you know, food that God made for our bodies. But look at what that requires, too. Like when you're sitting in that driveway, like you already know what the result of you sitting and taking that weight is going to be. You're going to be satiated. Yeah. And I just want to pause right there mm-hmm. for a second. It is physically palpable, too. Mm-hmm. Like I can feel after that first sip of the ribbon crunch Sunday mm-hmm. that needs a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. I can feel that I start salivating. Mm-hmm. And that is right there. The physical, you know, connection to the addiction, because it's like, oh, OK, I feel good now. But you do you recognize that even that is intentionally designed to trigger those that that saliva that part of your body uh-huh. saliva has and a lot action. to do with our digestive process and so when something like that is being manipulated mm-hmm. you really got to sit and question how it's going to affect the rest of the process in our body mm-hmm. as as far as that these chemicals can trigger reactions in us they do which is so crazy. So you got to give that same thought to the things that are good and are healthy for us too. And I think that that will help us accept these, I guess, a new route or Mm -hmm. new different alternatives and different options. If you consider that, that at least helps me Mm -hmm. is to think, okay, if this is causing these kind of triggers in my body, then what kind of effects is this causing to at least gain a little curiosity about it? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when I start taking CMOS or when I make the bladder rack tea, then when I consume that, I'll just sit and I'll just fill out my body. What does it feel like? What do I notice my my initial reaction is to this? That's a and good then, point because when when you... When you change your diet, it feels different in your body. Right. It doesn't feel the same. Right. But that's also something that you're going to have to tune yourself to being more receptive towards because we've been eating McDonald's for 20 years. Yes. You know, 30, 40, 50 right. some people. And then you've been taking these herbal supplements for two days. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to give it some time. Patience. Yeah. Passion. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think that 
starting off with some sort of curiosity. Mm, I like that word. Keeping the curiosity alive. And I think that just goes, that goes into all relationships. Right. So when we're talking about relationship with food, are you saying? Interesting. Okay. And that's kind of how I help to connect things to me in in any in any aspect of life is just consider the relationship of it if i'm changing something about my life i'm adjusting the relationship that i have with it so the channels of relationship are the the flavor the the biological responses that i have to that those are all manifestations of the relationship and like what that relationship brings to you so considering that will i feel like can help us adjust a little more and be a little more easier, easily inviting and welcoming to new changes that we have in our body so we're not overwhelmed by it. I love that word, curiosity. Mm. Let's infuse a little curiosity in our next segment. Um, we're going to keep talking about nutrition, what it is that we put into our bodies, how it affects us, I just really love that word curiosity. Let's just stay there. How can we infuse more curiosity into what we prepare? How can we infuse more curiosity into what we're eating? And we'll be back. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Is everybody in the world die? Please, Lord, give me a sign. A sign. So we are talking about bringing more nutrition to the mix, what you're putting in your body, um, and maybe what you're chewing. By the time you get to be elderly, you might not have teeth. But what does that mean? Does that mean that you just eat canned foods? Um, I'm kind of reflecting on, you know, what we talk about in the first segment with kids, we talk about school lunches and most of us can agree. They're not very nutritional. Um, They're just there. There's something to say that is offered, but not much is not much care is taken in terms of how that food connects to the child's mind and what that is going to do for the child's body as well. So um, with my mother, uh, her particular Insurance has a program called Return to Home, which is similar to Meals on Wheels, where there's kind of, um, I guess you would say, uh, prepared meals or TV dinners. My mom would get um, breakfasts as well, which is good if you're if you're at home and you don't have anyone to cook for you. Something definitely is better than nothing. But just how can we? Flip this so that it is more nutrition, no, more more nutrition being evolved, more nutrition being infused into what our elders are eating. Um, there's so much food that gets thrown out because it looks imperfect. It doesn't look right. So they can't put that out to sell is what the philosophy is. But what if those foods got turned into smoothies What if we really made some good appetizing smoothies for our elders and we really did some intense juicing? Tia, I think you know a little bit about this. What do you think about that idea? Well, I would always recommend um, incorporating juicing 
into our diets or our daily regimens. Um, I think that it can be highly nutritious or beneficial to elderly specifically. Um, Just finding ways to be a little more softer and gentle with the way that we introduce better things into our lives is always a good route. Juicing or just softening the things, it's that alone, just saying that, softening things. Mm-hmm. Think about how that, how, what kind of effects that has in different areas of our lives. So when you're softening your communication, it makes it a little more, it makes the ears a little more receptive. It mm-hmm. makes the mind a little more receptive. When you're softening your approach to things, it makes it a little less overwhelming. When we're talking about foods, when you're softening it, it makes the body a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a relaxed state, it's easier to receive things. And so I think that's something to consider, especially when you're dealing with such delicate beings, to just be soft. Mm-hmm. And so I think that smoothies, juices, something really soft would be a really great benefit for them. I love that term, softening. And and I think um, I loved one of the things you said uh, previously when we were talking privately, that curiosity can open up compassion. My philosophy is you've got three times a day if you run a nursing home or a room and board. If you're dealing with the elderly, you've got three times a day to make those who are in your care extremely happy. To do that same thing that I get at Starbucks, but in a more natural way that's going to be beneficial to their bodies. And I don't want to say while they still have them, that's ridiculous to their bodies. Now there's, there are ways that we can, can turn this curiosity to compassion. What are some other ways you think we could do that? Just through food. Are you saying Mm -hmm. specifically through food? Yeah. Cause they're Mm -hmm. most of the time they're not satisfied with what they're eating. They're not in control of what they eat. I think that also being um, giving a little more intention to the ritual of preparation mm. when it comes to foods, when you're cooking, the energy that you put into what you're cutting, what you're preparing, what you're plating, all of that brings value. Just the way that they play, they play on the colors, like we said, mm-hmm. with McDonald's mm-hmm. and all of these other fast food restaurants. You can do the same thing with your plating. Mm-hmm. Make it a very colorful thing, mm-hmm. something beautiful to look at, mm-hmm. something that they want to invite into them, their mm-hmm. bodies. Mm-hmm. And that way that gives them the control too. It's It doesn't feel forceful. It's not just some ugly thing on a plate. Right. Make it beautiful, you mm-hmm. know? And then it's just as simple as that, like cutting a grape open, a seeded grape, and mm-hmm. using the two little seeds inside of it mm-hmm. as eyes. Something mm-hmm. to smile about, mm-hmm. you know? I think that just... Having the idea of like sprinkling a little bit of joy in something. I love that. And when you said make it beautiful, I was thinking make it sacred. Make it sacred. I I think there's so many things in our lives that we need to make more sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you are dealing with American history. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with human history. Mm -hmm. Um, And that needs to be handled with a lot more care and concern than I think it is that that we're doing um, in our society. 
I know um, I was joking with a friend earlier about bacon, you know, like you, you, just because you're elderly doesn't mean you no longer want bacon in your life. Mm-hmm. Or even if even if you're elderly, you might want to become a vegan. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't know what that person's journey is and you can't know until you ask them. Or that person, there are variations on bacon, like there's vegan bacon or there's turkey bacon. Um, So sometimes part of that curiosity is, well, your salt level, your your diet, we can't have a lot of salt, so we can't do bacon. But what can we do? Mm -hmm. I think for our elders, if we ask that question more often— it's not about what you can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. What can you do now? Because mm-hmm. there's still a lot. Mm-hmm. Even if you're one day from being on, on the other side, there's still something that you can do with your life. Mm-hmm. What do you think about um, the the fact that um, a lot of times everyone eats the same thing? Do you think everyone needs the same menu at a nursing home? Um, I think that... In area in every area of life, we have to consider diversity because we are on a diverse planet, and we have to honor that. We have to honor our differences. Just look at the ways in society that honoring differences has really made a change. In a small nursing home, that's something that can be that can be considered on so many levels, mm-hmm. even when it especially, I should say, when it comes down to our diets, honoring the fact that everybody in this home, it can be five different people. All of them have different backgrounds, different biological backgrounds. They have different environmental backgrounds that they've come from. And they're most more than likely having different illnesses. Those are something to consider. Different structures, different body structures. Those are things to consider too. Everything can't just be cookie cutter. Right. That's right. never worked in society. Right. Right. And but yet we still keep going back to that. We, we have, think that we would learn something from COVID, mm-hmm. but we're right back to assuming that everybody can just eat the same thing. Um I loved something you said in a previous conversation. You said that we need to be curious about what our elders experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me of the saying, you know, put yourself in that person's shoes, walk a mile in their shoes. Um, I don't think we ask them enough. What is your experience like mm-hmm. right now? And I think that sometimes it's because it's going to make us do stuff mm-hmm. and we don't want more on our to-do list. What do you think about that? I agree with that. I think it also makes us aware that we've been assuming a lot. I like them. that. I and like a lot that. of us don't like to take accountability for that because when you realize that you're assuming, then you're going to have to do the real work of figuring out whatever you fail to give attention to before. But I mean, we're just, we just have to be a little more responsible mm-hmm. and raise the level of accountability. Agreed. Cause I feel like I am my eating personality. I would call myself a grazer. Mm-hmm. I work a lot better if I'm grazing throughout the day on sort of like adult lunchable type things, like maybe a hard boiled egg, maybe some hummus and celery, you know, some grapes. Grapes always make me happy. I don't know what that's all about, but every time I have grapes in my lunch or in my snack, I'm like, mm, 
I just feel so loved and comforted. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but you see, like you're a grazer, but somebody else may be like precise. Like I need, I need one meal a day Precisely. and make it good. Precisely. You know? And then we're, we're, when we think about our elders, they have had that control their whole lives. Right. And as Americans, that's what we value: our privacy and our freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And they are none of us think even they haven't thought about the fact that now that you come to this part of the road. Those are the things that are taken away from you. Right. You might end up sharing a room with somebody that doesn't have your religious views, your political views. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody is asking you anything. I feel like I feel like they could even be involved in the process of preparing the foods to some degree mm-hmm. or at least determining what the what's going to be on the menu. I agree 100 percent. Yeah. So. um in terms of getting curious about what our elders experience, they do have different types of menus, like their renal menus for those that have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people that have high blood pressure, they have low salt recipes. Um, and then I saw something interesting where they have pureed foods, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure I would really want to do that, like pureed meat specifically. Ew. But this is where I think we're missing out on a lot with our elders with smoothies Mm -hmm. uh, and being able to provide them with nutrition in that way. What are some smoothies or are there any smoothies that you would recommend for them or some places to get started? I think most of us need to think about how do we start this thing? It Mm -hmm. seems so big. I think just sticking to the fruits and veggies that they know. Oh, that's a good one. Figure out, Keep the curiosity, right? Keep Figure out what fruits and veggies not only do they like, but does their body like, mm-hmm. that? Their does their body agree with? And then you kind of form recipes based off of that. That's where like this abundance of recipes come from because people just tweak it according to right. what feels right That's for a them. good point. And so I think just starting there, you know, there's apples everybody likes apples right you know do something with the basics and then you can make one or two recipes maybe even bump it up to three or four recipes right all that have apples in it mm-hmm. let that go on for a month mm-hmm. a couple months and then you move into incorporating celery mm-hmm. some people will be like oh, i don't like celery mm-hmm. mix the celery with an apple mm-hmm. how do you feel about that right you right know, just and then even a celery apple juice as mm-hmm. opposed to some form of celery apple smoothie. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is very important, I think, what you're saying to find out what their personality is mm-hmm. because everybody is just not going to benefit from the same types of things. Exactly. Um, for instance, I hate bananas and mm-hmm. bananas are usually what is most in smoothies. Now, it might sound gross, mm-hmm. might sound really gross, but as a thickener, I've considered avocado because to me, avocado doesn't really have a strong taste to it. Mm-hmm. So instead of banana as a thickener, maybe I use mango mm-hmm. or maybe I use like I did this morning, oatmeal, mm-hmm. or maybe I use avocado. But one thing's for sure, if you don't have the opportunity to interact with the materials, mm-hmm. you're not going to happen up across what might be not only good for your body, but also what you will like. Do you think? Yeah. And I think also just keeping that curiosity alive. If this one particular thing doesn't work for you, then that's when you do your homework and do the research and figure out what else can I supplement or substitute bananas for? 
There's dates. If the sweetness of the banana is what you like, it's up to you to do your own homework. I love it. Curiously do your own homework. With compassion, do your own homework. I would really like to thank T for being here and sharing her wisdom with us. It has been a wonderful journey figuring out what we put in our mouth. And I'll catch you next time. 